everyone to another exciting edition of the Broadway Bulletin. And get excited, friends, because it's fall, y'all. Fall, y'all. The fall season is in full swing, and we are thoroughly enjoying all that this season has had to offer so far. It's fall, y'all. Red, yellow, green, and brown. brown. They're up there, then they fall down. Fall. It's our fall musical. Right? Bob's Burgers, anyone? (laughs) Hey, it, no, it's it's been an incredible season so far. We are at the midpoint of the fall theater season, and it has not disappointed. And as we turn to the second half of the fall season, it does not look like it will disappoint at all. Um, starting off with um, just some news, some headlines uh, here on Broadway. Um, Death of a Salesman opened last night. Attention must be paid. Didn't. That's a big line from the show um it opened last night just a huge hit sharon de clark wendell pierce andre de shields i mean oh my gosh i cannot wait to see the show next week oh just oh, mm, oh in other news roundabout theater company and american repertory theater co-produced a production of 1776 yes. that is all female presenting cast and predominantly people of color as well yes that opens on or open on it, it opened on the 6th on thursday yeah um and if you haven't gotten to see a clip of the show they performed on good morning america uh they did the opening number sit down john will someone open up a window um it's so it looks so good though and then just looking at the diversity of the cast like i cannot wait to see the show uh, I get to see it tomorrow night. Eek. I'm so excited. But just, this is Diana Paulus, her direction. And I'm just excited to see this classic story turn on its head and see a new interpretation of it. It's going to be good. Um, Mark Lynn Baker uh, will be replacing Jefferson Mays as Mayor Shin in The Music Man. Um, so, hey, you got a new face joining your cast. Uh, of course, Jefferson Mays is leaving the show because to go. He he's going to be doing a his own production of a Christmas Carol, a Christmas Carol, a one man show, yeah, you know, one man show um, over at the Nederlander. Yes, so. so get excited for that. This week in Broadway history, Cats opened at the Winter Garden. 40 years ago. You can't say cats without like singing a song or doing a dance. And since the listeners can't see me dancing for the Jellicle Ball, they have to, you know. Anyway, moving on to the theater community as a whole. Um, Breaking the Binary Festival kicked off uh, yesterday, October 10th at Theater Row. And we have an exclusive interview on our Whisper in the Wings with one of the playwrights involved in that festival, Roderick Hugh Mason, whose show Hide and Hide is being read tomorrow on Wednesday, October 12th as part of that. And this is an incredible festival um, put together by trans identifying and, and non-binary and all, uh, you know, just, just genderqueer. genderqueer, all of that. Um, not just um, like playwrights or directors, but stage managers and performers and stagehands and all. I mean, it's incredible the amount of visibility that's coming from this festival. Um, you can hear more about that in our interview with Roger. They were so 
informative about how incredible this festival is. It's so important. So that's very exciting. Friend of the show, Tyler Martin, is having one of his latest works read at Theater Row as a benefit to raise funds for men healing and its work to provide resources for male and male-identifying survivors of sexual trauma. The reading will be on October 15th at 3 p.m. Tickets can be reserved at menhealing.net. Also, be sure to listen on Wednesday, October 12th to our exclusive interview with Tyler on our bonus content, Whisper in the Wings. And also worth noting, uh, Tyler's reading is, uh, or, or show is being um, streamed. So even if you can't be here in New York to see it, you can stream it live. Um, some show chatter now. Chatter, chatter, chatter. That won't be a thing forever. I just... Chatter, chatter, chatter. Um, New York City Center will be hosting a fundraising performance of Parade from the 1st of November through the 6th. The funds will help provide access to performing arts by subsidizing education programs and affordable tickets. The production will star such names as Ben Platt, Michaela Diamond, and Gaten Matarazzo. Also, there is a production of Damn Yankees being mounted in the West End. Oh my gosh, is it coming to Broadway? We'll see. It sounds pretty exciting. <sighs> I It hasn't been on Broadway. I mean, it's been once, I think, in the 2000s, if memory serves. I'm almost certain of that. But this show has a special place in my heart since it was the first musical I ever did. You know, I was in. And I would love to see a performance of it. I just... Um, also, Guys and Dolls, which is um, starring Jesse Mueller, is happening down in D.C. right now. So if luck is a lady, maybe that's going to be coming up here uh, to Broadway. You know, I'm full of the puns today. Just... Oh, my goodness. Well, in exciting news for us, we got to see the Broadway production of The Cost of Living. Which did not disappoint. I mean, we saw it... Um, Back at New York City Center when it was off-Broadway with MTC, and now the full production on Broadway. It was so good. It was even better, in my opinion. It's uh, just so well done. The The, the script is so well written. Um, and just the very realness that is being dealt with the characters on stage. Yeah. So. Um, two of the shows I want to plug here that I saw that really just stood out and left an impact on me from the week. Um, Waitless at... WP Theater over on 77th and Broadway. If you liked Hades Town and you like indie rock, this is the show for you. It was so good, so brilliant. The music was amazing. The staging, the story, everything about it was so good. Um, and then along with that, Inked Well, which is at 59E59, um, just such a powerful story about grief and mental health, and how we're all, how we all deal with it in different ways. Um, that that is just such a, it was such a powerful, um, visceral show. Um, both of those shows close on October sixteenth. So um, yeah, be sure to check them out. If you'd like full reviews of these shows, um, they're available. Um, we have a special review uh, available via YouTube uh, for our patrons. So just be sure to sign up to be a patron via Patreon at Stage Whisper Pod. Or excuse me, at patreon.com slash Stage Whisper Pod. I mean, besides that, 
I think other than the, the one other thing I think announcement-wise we have, um, there are quite a few Whisper in the Wings coming down the, the pipeline right now. We have a lot of uh, productions reaching out to us with a few festivals happening here in New York, as well as some galas, and we have a very exciting, we have two big uh, exclusive interviews uh, coming uh, that will be released shortly. Um, so do stay tuned to that. Um, and... We've got some exciting Stage Whisper episodes about to be released. Some great, great shows um, that I think we both love. Um, and then, of course, just some really great theater in store this week. We're, we're, we're on Broadway, we're off Broadway, but with some really fantastic shows. Yeah, I think it's, the fall season is kicking off um, really well. Looks like we're going to have just a lot of thought-provoking, a lot of... It's, it's going to be a full table spread. So if yeah. you love... You know, a full course meal. That's what's happening in New York this year. Yeah. For the fall season. So we are now going to turn it over to Whisper in the Wings. And we have a interview with the playwright of Inked Well. Again, playing at 59E59, Aaron E. Adams. Um, so please enjoy this fantastic interview. Back in listeners to, for me, what is a very special episode of Whisper in the Wings. I am so, so excited to bring you this playwright and this show. Joining us today is the playwright Aaron E. Adams, whose latest work, Inked Well, is playing at 59E59 Theaters. It's playing through October 16th. Um, and this show, and I am not exaggerating, is beyond amazing. Uh even life-changing. That is not an understatement. So with that, Erin, good morning. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much for having me. I had the privilege of seeing the show on Friday, and it was, it was just, uh, we spoke after the show. It was life imitating, or art imitating life. It was just captivating. It was amazing. I mean, I don't know how the universe knew, but this piece was just amazing. It, it spoke to oh. me. It seemed at, at that talk back, it spoke to a lot of audience members. Um, this is an, an incredible show and a timely piece. And I love the the issues that you, you specifically have written in, uh, not just on the surface that we dealt with, you know, but also just the side issues. Um, and I'm, I'm feeling like I'm speaking a little bit vague here. So why don't we, at first, how about you tell us a little bit about your show? Yeah. Um, say first of all, thank you. Thank you so much for all those kind words. Um, so Inkwell is um, about a young Black woman named Kendra who has to return to her childhood summer home on Martha's Vineyard upon learning that her brother has died uh, in, under mysterious circumstances. And while she searches for the truth about what happened to him, she finds herself tormented by a childhood ghost story. And as the mystery of his death is unraveled, she discovers that he was drowning in much more than water. Uh, the ghost story paired with her grief begins to impact her relationship to her family and eventually her relationship to the ocean itself. How did you come up with the idea for this show? 
Yeah, so this show was written mostly in uh, 2018, 2019, uh, during the hours of like 2 a.m. to 6 (laughs) a.m. I was working three jobs, uh, one of which was stocking grocery shelves, and I just couldn't sleep uh, after I would come home from, you know, being on my feet for eight hours. And so I'm like, oh, I'm just going to write. And so, yeah, the idea just kind of was like just floating around in my head for a while. And um, I worked on Martha's Vineyard. I did a show on Martha's Vineyard at the Playhouse there for three months. So I knew the island pretty well. uh, And I knew I wanted to set a show there. So everything just kind of like, you know, came together in my head very late at night. (laughs) And, um, and yeah, and then that's how the show the show came to be. Incredible. Uh, So now I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that there's no like, based on a true story like you know kind of thing this is just pure fiction yeah I mean kind of um I did so I did lose my brother back in 2016 so yeah so the grief is very real uh that's real but everything else is completely I basically took like some I took like my experience with grief and just put it on a totally different family uh and yeah because I'm like I as much as I wish my family had a summer home on Martha's Vineyard uh we do not (laughs) um we don't have that kind of money uh so yeah yeah I I love that personal I love knowing that now Mm -hmm. and I can kind of in, in hindsight see a lot of that touch then mm-hmm. um i love that the the character uh the brother character who's i'm so sorry i'm horrible it's fine isaac. isaac i knew it was an i and i was like it's not <laughs> isabel i know that for sure um <laughs> i love that isaac one thing that i really really loved um was you know we start with isaac and kendra swimming but what i loved is Throughout the story, he kept coming back in these like swimming moments, always at the beach, always at the beach. Mm -hmm. But there was never like new information, if that makes sense, from her memory. It never you it never felt like he was speaking from beyond. It always felt like it was memory, if that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. No, absolutely. That was um something really, really, truly important to me in crafting a story like this. Uh we would say in the rehearsal hall and I would always say when I'm working on this play I was like this cannot be like 13 reasons why it can't happen I Mm. refuse (laughs) like I refuse um that 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 show just really rubbed me the wrong way when it came out um and it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way (laughs) um and and like there is you know um spoiler alert there there is no answer um it's like you don't you don't get an answer and that is one of the most frustrating uh things and one of the most like uh like um like it's it's frustrating it's infuriating it's angering uh parts it's it's part of and it's also a very big part of the grieving process all those emotions uh yeah so yeah so all the scenes i think um there's there's a very minute exception in the the last scene but yeah there's no he he only says the words that he's already said there's no there are no new words yeah and I and like I said, I love that because it leads her to discover and put two and two together. Also, I felt like it showed that she knew all the answers. She could solve the problem. She was stronger than she thought. And she did. She overcame <laughs> all her 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 struggles. 
I mean, for the most part, I, but it, that's what made it yes. human. Is yeah, yeah. No one really comes out of it. And it's like, oh, everything is hunky dunky now. We're all yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, that's one thing that I just love, and I connected with this. I went, this is not. This is a real ending. This mm-hmm. is sugarcoated. This wasn't the you know 1980s family sitcom <laughs> where we all went through something but we came out yeah. and we're gonna hug on the beach and everything's fine cue the yeah. soft jazz to play a yeah. <laughs> it was a real yeah. ending like the, i could really see all those characters going on that journey and that yeah. is how it ends yeah yeah we were talking a lot about i mean obviously a lot of discussions in staging the show and producing the show that uh, I was I was really sick of seeing things that would kind of like uh, skip all the steps of healing and it's like okay and everybody's fine and this family's okay now and I'm like no part of healing is looking at the wound it's that but ha- part of healing is also like acknowledging that you're in pain it's being like I, I am hurting and kind of standing in that hurt for a second and then you can start to heal. And I feel like this play is very much that moment before people can, before they start to heal, before the healing can happen. And it's a very important, it's a very crucial moment to, to healing. Yes. So what, I mean, you, you've kind of alluded to this already. You mentioned a few things in the rehearsal process, but what was it like developing the show? Yeah. So I wrote it, I guess, yeah, 2018, yeah, yeah, 20, 2018, 2019. And then I um, I did a class at ESPA Primary Stages with Abe Kugler um, and uh, it really helped me just get a, get a draft finished. Uh, and then that draft, I uh, this is where I was frolicking in the woods. I was with uh, Fresh Ground Pepper and at the BRB retreat and did uh, that for a week. So just like rewriting and writing in the woods for a week. Uh, and then um, I after that, I you know submitted it a bunch of places, and that uh, it won the New Light New Voices Award uh, uh, in 2020, of course. Uh, so everything shut down, and they were like, "We can't really produce your play anymore, but <laughs> we can offer you some support in workshopping it." So I did a workshop, a very intense workshop with the play in 2020. And then come 2021, when things started to open up, they're like, "Okay, we are interested in producing your show." Uh, and um, kind of got the ball rolling there. And so then after that, being in rehearsal with a play that's new, um, it's kind of like this weird, you have to like, kind of like, it's a bit of tailoring for the actor, but also tailoring for the, I know, I would, I, let me take that back. It's in the process, you begin to tailor it for the character. It can feel like tailoring for the actor, but it's just that the actor is like, embodying that character fully and so you're just giving them all the things they need to fully embody it um it can be seductive to tailor to an actor but i have learned that is not always the right choice because that actor might not always be in the show so um yeah so it was just about like nipping things in and i did do there was a whole section of this that i cut because it wasn't helping it was called the void scenes and they were just um kind of like memories around learning about uh, Isaac's death that just weren't helpful. <laughs> and they were confusing me in a way that I felt wasn't helpful. And, um, and it was just adding to time. And, and it was all information that we got in the play elsewhere in a more interesting way. So I just like cut them out. <laughs> 
I want to point out one thing that I I really appreciated in your show. We've we've mentioned Kendra, the the main the leading lady, and then her Mm -hmm. brother Isaac. Yes. Um, But you also have three other characters in the show. You've got Ember, who is Isaac's wife. We have um, there's Nia. Nia, Nia, the daughter. Yeah, her daughter. And then Maya, the Mm -hmm. the mother. Mm-hmm. So one thing I really loved watching, and I this didn't hit me actually until I left the theater. Mm-hmm. You have depicted three generations and how each generation actually grieves differently. Yeah. And uh, that for me was absolutely incredible. I don't know how you did that. <laughs> you wrote that in there because yeah. I'm just literally, as I'm watching this, I was like, okay, all right, cool. I get the idea. Everyone grieves differently, but I didn't tie that. Oh, it's a generational thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's a, that's a very big, I think everyone goes on a different journey for grief in this uh, play. And, you know, there are some pairings and like, we have like Maya who is like, you know, uh, like my parents age, like of a certain generation who is like, everything's of everything's going to be fine. And like, you know, it has, has that stiff upper lip quality until she just can't anymore. Uh, and then we have like Kendra who was like, you know, newly in therapy, has all these tools, no idea how to use them. <laughs> Very millennial. <laughs> like, it's like, I went to therapy. And I have tools now. It's like, great. It takes time. Um, <laughs> And you also have like um, Ember who is like just trying to, you know, it's this, th- that weird thing where it's like she's grieving also, but she like this is this is her like her husband's family. She's trying to like make it better for everybody else, trying to keep everything, make sure that everything is OK. Like in the opening scene, she's like cleaning frantically because it's like I don't you know, it's like what what else can I do? Um until she, again, she also can't do it anymore. And then we have like Nia, the daughter who just is demanding honesty. I love Nia. <laughs> Nia, Nia comes in and demands honesty from the beginning and everyone is afraid to tell her the answers <laughs> or just afraid of the answers themselves. And she just really in a kind of, in that terrifying Gen Z kind of way is just like, no, just tell me the truth. And the truth is very black and white to her, which is why it's terrifying. Um, yeah, but yeah, I just I was just looking at you know grief in my own family, grief in other places, and um, trying to depict something that felt honest um, and something that felt because I'm like grief. I kind of said it in if there's like a, a video clip of me on the website, but I'm like grief is a weird emotion. It's long. Uh, it has a bunch of other emotions in it. People, you can be angry. Grief is angry. Grief is sad. Grief, grief is also hilarious. Um, grief is funny sometimes. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but what I loved about Nia's character and about her honesty is, I mean, we've all gone through loss. And the, the first thing that just like really made me perk up about her character, because she walks in and I'm like, I get it. You're going through a hard time, but you also got this teenage bad attitude. Is, yes. She's like, you know, my fit, my, my least favorite question is today. You know, or, yeah. you know, it's that, um, how are you doing? She comes in in the exact middle of the play for a reason. Uh, it gets something where it's like, if she wasn't there, some of these things wouldn't have happened. Like this, this play, the play wouldn't happen. And her energy, that kind of like radical honesty energy comes in in the middle of the play and just forces everybody to, to, to take a look at things. Yeah.
what is the message or thought that you're hoping audiences will take away when they leave? (laughs) Um, I really, I really want people to take away whatever they need. Um, Some people are saying this play feels like a bit of a mirror. Some people say that, you know, they see themselves depicted for the first time or they see their family depicted for the first time. I, I always, when any, any of my work, I want people to take, to take what they need. And it's like, if you need, if you need some good old fashioned theater catharsis, like, listen, I have had a good, a good, ugly theater cry. Um, I love it. <laughs> There's something about just sobbing with strangers in a, in a dark room that just, I don't know, nothing else is like it. Um, so yeah, I hope they take what they need. Oh, that's fantastic. And yes, thank you for that. I I got exactly what I needed from that. (laughs) Um, So that leads me to my last question for this first half, which is, and I I actually asked this (laughs) in the talk back, but who do you hope have access to the show? I mean, just like anyone, anyone who, uh, anyone who, as I said before, who like needs a show like this. And I will say specifically, um, I would really love like folks in the black community who just haven't seen uh, depictions around mental health um, or who or who feel like those mental health depictions are not accurate or not honest. Um, I feel like this really speaks to to that in a way that at least I haven't hadn't seen before, which is why I wrote the show. Um, and yeah, and like the amount of people in my own family who have seen it, who have been like, oh yeah, like that's that's what that's like. And um, and have just responded has been really, really heartening. So, Now, I want to shift the conversation now um, <laughs> onto you a little bit. Let our listeners get a chance to get to know you and all your fabulousness. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, I'm a gremlin. Um, <laughs> what shows uh, in the past have inspired you or do you love? And with you being a playwright, I'd like to also open it up to playwrights or composers as well. Yeah, so I'm trying to. So I really... Um, growing like as I first was like I think I want to write plays uh was really inspired by uh Lynn Nottage like Crumbs from the Table of Joy love that play also Sarah Rule Eurydice I was like I wasn't I didn't see the production at Yale when it went out but like I heard about it like it was just everyone's like there's a waterfall um and it's just like the whole like I remember Eurydice like reading Eurydice and just like sobbing um, uh also I mean obviously Susan Laurie Parks I'm just always so inspired by her work and like and uh, just how she arranges the page and how like as you're reading it you can just like see the scenes in your head um I'm trying to think like who else oh Adrian Kennedy I like I'm obsessed with Adrian Kennedy she's uh and she's finally having a play on Broadway this season thank god uh the, the Ohio State Murders that's yeah Yes, I wait for that. I'm oh. so excited. I'm so excited. Um, I I was always I love her work. I have like 
<laughs> I have um a like university printing of one of her plays because it's the only place it was available. <laughs> like uh, my favorite Edgerton Kennedy play is An Owl Answers. Uh, it's just beautiful. Uh, I don't really quite even know how to describe it. Like as you in like I've read it a hundred times. Like in reading it, you always get something different out of it. Uh, and I really love her work for that, even though it's like short, but it's not short. Like when you're really deconstructing what's going on there, there's like, they're just dense. They're like bricks of plays. Um, so yeah, those are, those are writers who've inspired me and plays that I love. Have you seen any theater lately, any great theater lately that you might be able to recommend to our listeners? I know I'm the worst about this. Um, I'm the worst. I am just now like getting back into a being able for a little you know for a long time I couldn't see uh shows because of the pandemic uh and um and now and then I couldn't see shows because I was incredibly busy uh so like as of I think like yesterday I'm finally not busy anymore so I feel so embarrassed saying this but I have not seen anything in a while uh the last play that I saw was um Passover last year, like one of the first places to open up Broadway. Uh, and that was really great. And I would love to recommend it, but that's closed. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I feel I'm deeply embarrassed. I need to get, I need to get so much, ba- I need to get back on my, my play schedule. It's been, it's been three years, basically. <laughs> it, there's a lot of really great stuff out there too. Yeah. What is your favorite part about working in the theater? Um, This is, so uh something this is why I was like maybe you should write some plays Aaron um I like (laughs) rehearsal I'm that weird person who loves rehearsal um and I feel like if you like rehearsal then it's like maybe you should look into writing or directing Uh, because like that's where a lot of your your work is going to happen uh but I love I love a rehearsal room I love like just the way things I get to like geek out and like look at moments over and over again or like um listen to things over and over again I learn a lot I've learned I've learned that I learn a lot by listening to stuff over and over and over and over again sometimes to the frustration of my actors but I warned them I was like listen I um I have to hear a scene like a ton of times before I can change it I just have to hear it over and over and over and over um yeah so yeah I love I love rehearsal (laughs) No, that's fantastic. I'm, the process is important. It's not just about mm. the product, you know. We've got to get yeah. there somehow. Mm. Now, this is my favorite question to ask people, and I, I I'm excited to hear yours. Um, what is your favorite theater memory? Mm. I think my favorite theater memory, um, which of course now I'm turning into like a scary story, um, is uh, the first time I learned about like a ghost light and that there was like a written like the like ritual around it or at least I don't know I feel like ghost lights are very like there's this they're like this oddly like sacred thing that just like exists in a theater yes they're practical obviously a practical thing um but um in high school like whenever you did your last play there was like ghost it was the ghost light and I remember Mr. Moore uh, our like theater, like he ran the the theater, the theater club would like gather us, like gather around the ghost like children. And he would um, like, uh, you know, like um, impart wisdom and be like, and just like, you know, say nice things about you. But then he would also re he would also do um, 
da, 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 the Tempest. He would say that beautiful, prosperous speech from The Tempest. Like, we are such stuff as dreams are made on. And, like, and, 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 like, he would, like, do that whole, you know, monologue. And it was just this, like, little ritual that was my first, like, I think my, the memory about it, what I love about it, it was, like, my first, like, I feel like truly sacred uh, theater ritual and it just felt, I don't know. It was like, it felt, it felt sacred. It felt like um, it was, it was really exciting. And so that was like, it was moving. And it's like, that is my favorite theater memory. Oh, that's amazing. Shout out to theater teachers for that. You know? Yes. Yes. And remember Mr. Moore taught, like, I think he taught like trig or something. Like he was a math teacher and he just ran the theater club. <laughs> like What? Oh yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love hearing that. Well, are there any other productions or projects that you have coming on the pipeline that we could plug? Um, so no theater stuff yet. Uh, but I do have a book out. I just uh last oh. week was a big old a big exciting week for me. I had my my theater, uh, my my show went up, and my book uh, was just recently published. It's called Jackal. Uh, it came out on October fourth, and it is available wherever books are sold. And it's like a it's and it's very good for this time of year. It's very spooky season. It's like a horror thriller is what we're calling it uh, about this young black woman who goes to her uh, to back to the Rust Belt where she's grew up, and discovers a series of missing black girls, and she has to find one that's recently gone missing before it's too late. Amazing. Oh my gosh. I, I, I'm totally going to go get that. Well, if our listeners want to get more information about Inkwell uh, or you, or they want to reach out to you, how can they do that? Yes. So more information about Inkwell, uh, that would be the best place to find that would be at 59 East 59's website. That's going to have like, you know, cast, creatives, all that. And then more information about me is um, I am, um, you can find me at I am E.E. Adams on all platforms, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I I am a sporadic, uh, chaotic TikToker sometimes. Uh, but I'm mostly on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I am E. I am E. E. Adams, and then um, also on my website, AaronEAdams.com. Well, wonderful. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for joining me today. I, I am over the moon right now. Like I can't. Oh, yeah. I I could sit here for hours on end, just like replaying all those moments and just telling you about all those moments from your show. But you already know about them. Um, <laughs> seriously, like this has been just an honor thank you so much for the brilliant work you've written thank you to the cast who performed it brilliantly just thank you for creating something so powerful and thank you for coming on our show today it's yes. means so much thank you thank you thank you so much for having me for inviting me thank you for seeing uh the show uh and enjoying it thank you <laughs> My guest today has been Erin E. Adams. She is the playwright of the incredible show Inked Well, which is playing through October 16th at 59E59 Theaters. You can get your tickets, what tickets are left, I will say, at 59E59.org. Um, also, check out Erin's book, Jackal, uh, perfect for this season. 
Uh, I know I'm going to go pick up my own copy today when I'm out and about. And you can follow Aaron on all social media platforms at Adams, or check her website out at AaronEAdams.com. And we're going to have all this information posted in our episode description as well as on our social media. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep your masks on, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is DJ by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar, BJ Block and Don Pemberton, Nangdo, and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you'll find all the information about our backstage pass. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. <laughs>